Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What a difference it makes to get the uh, edges of the lawn cut and looking sharp and straight. I was pleased to see that the volunteers are back at the Royal Horticultural Society's garden at Hyde Hall and uh, two of them were busy with the long handled shears trimming the edges around the uh, yew hedges and the formal rose garden. Goodness, what a difference it made after they had uh, cut their way around those edges. Our thanks for this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited, Pershaw in Worcestershire. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and uh, hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries along the way. We've had a fantastic bang holiday in terms of weather, although it's uh, really putting the pressure on. I'm finding myself spending at least three hours each day on the end of a hose, but at least that gives you the chance to uh, really look at things and see where your uh, energies and efforts can best be put. It's a bit of a game when you've got a lot of flowers to deadhead, uh, and where the weeds are growing at uh, such a rate. But at least now the surface soil is dry, where we have got uh, in control of the weeds, we can run the hoe through once every seven days or so and uh, just keep things under control. In the polytunnel, I've picked uh, the first of uh, several ripe strawberries. That's a welcome addition to the palate each uh, breakfast morning. And the sweet peas too, three big bunches a day now being cut. And with this uh, very, very hot weather in the polytunnel, up to 100 uh, Fahrenheit on occasions, uh, I'm afraid the stems are going to shorten quite rapidly now. But fortunately we have the outdoor sown crops at about three or four feet high, uh, with the buds just showing colour, so uh, as the... Indoor ones lose a bit of quality. With luck, we'll have those outside. I find it quite tricky actually watering the pots, a number of them in two or three of the peat-free composts. It needs a completely different uh, technique to watering. And some of those wood fibre composts, you water them twice and then just knock them out of the pot to have a look to make sure everything is nicely moist all the way through and you find that that one side of the pot is wet and the other side completely dry. 
Uh, if you're not alert to that, it's very easy to get a bit of leaf scorch. I noticed that uh, we have some begonias in three and a half litre pots just coming into flower. The uh, uh, sweet spice, fragrant uh, begonias and uh, several of the leaf edges had gone brown. Uh, I thought the pots were quite heavy and well watered and it was only when I knocked them out and had a look that I could see that there were these dry patches that needed special attention. Uh, from now onwards, the big pots, things like uh, big uh, hostas, formiums, a pampas grass, those kind of container-grown plants, I'm now going to stand in saucers so that if that compost gets a bit dry, when I drop the hose on it, then the water runs through quickly. But I see uh, how quickly it has passed and it builds up in the saucer, and that, of course, will act as a reservoir, and by capillarity, the moisture will go back up, uh, and with a bit of luck, we'll get the pot fully damp all the way through. What's new? Well, I hear news uh, of a book that's about to be launched this coming autumn by Bill Alexander. The title, Ten Tomatoes That Changed the World. And I understand that um, one of the exhibitors at the Chelsea Flower Show in the Great Pavilion next September is taking up this theme and will have the ten tomatoes, including, I think, uh, Big Boy. That was uh, one of those beefsteaks introduced by uh, the Burpee Company in North America. I'll be very interested to see uh, what the ten are, and I hope that they include that new bush this year, the Sun Gold Super Sweet. Boy, that's a cracking bush tomato, uh, and I think that that is a great step forward as far as the uh, tomato is concerned. And and there are plenty more. I mean, red alert must be 30 years since uh, a sun reader named that, and it remains the best of the early bush tomatoes. I'm very pleased to welcome this week as our interview Anne-Marie Powell, distinguished author, garden designer, and I think all-round good egg. Now then, Anne-Marie, where are you today? <laughs> Hello there, Peter, and thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be chatting with you um, from my studio in Hampshire, my design studio. So we're based just outside, well, in Petersfield on the cusp, the split between the Hampshire and West Sussex border. And um, indeed, it's a very beautiful place to live. I feel very, very lucky to be here. Right. And and then what what does a, a working week involve? Is most of your work garden design? Yeah, a working week, as you know, in horticulture, <laughs> there isn't a standard week at all. So. But yeah, we primarily work in, um, in landscape and garden design. I think, you know, when you're a Chelsea gold medalist, people think that you deal with just large projects. And indeed, we do deal with some very large projects going into acres. We just completed the World Food Garden and the Wildlife Garden at RHS Wisley around their new uh, Hilltop Science Amazing space that they've been developing there so we've been working on that in five years various commercial schemes that we've got a lovely um very proud of that particular scheme over in st albans it's at sopor house hotel for their new spa 
and various projects, some of which I can't even tell you about because we've signed disclosure agreements. So we're not allowed to speak about them. But, you know, I do enjoy doing smaller gardens for people to inspire them into horticulture where I can. Now, my team are not always so keen on those. (laughs) I've got to be honest. (laughs) You know, Running with a smaller budget, it really does show you your mettle. So as a designer, and I really enjoy the challenge and I really, really love um, dealing with people who perhaps it's their very first garden. I just get so much pleasure out of that. Uh, Anne-Marie, you mentioned Wisley, and, and I had a visitor to Wisley last week who's, who was really upset that they went to the, the model vegetable garden that all of us tend to go as a mecca, and it was down to succulents. Now, is that because any minute now we're going to open the doors to your replacement in terms of vegetable growing? It absolutely is. I mean, I don't really consider it as being a replacement, but it's something different. And I've got to know the edibles team at at Wisley so well. You know, we've worked long and hard with all of the gardeners there. I think it's so important that we work as a team. So, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a vegetable edibles growing expert. I do it myself at home. That's true, but they are the experts. So, so we are putting in something entirely different, which will encompass an awful lot of benefit, we hope, to gardeners throughout all the communities of gardeners who grow edibles in the UK. So it's something different. The Veg Garden previously, which Emily and Pavlina and Paul and Bernard and all the gardening team there um, loved and did so well with, quite small and quite a difficult position as well. So we've now given that team, they've been given prime growing space. Yeah, the World Food Garden, it's an acre in size, so it's vast. And there should be something in there, we hope, for everybody. So inspiration for those who have just started to grow and also something for the more adventurous. There's glass houses within the space, lots of things, pot planting. So we're hoping that no matter where you want to grow your own food, find the pleasure in doing just that, that there there will be inspiration for you in this new space. Yes, well... uh... I can't wait. I mean, and it's going to open shortly, isn't it? Yeah, it opens on the 24th of June and it's still being finished in the build, Peter. So, you know, I've been working on both these projects. It's two and a half acres we've designed up there with the wildlife garden on the other side of the building from the World Food Garden. Yeah, five years in the build, but it it was all planned in the build. And of course, COVID came along and that scuppered a lot of the timeline for not only the the landscape team who are building, and that is landform, but for the um, the build works themselves of the building. So all of the main contractors there, they were suddenly working distantly. So materials and and just weren't available. So, however, everybody and I do applaud the RHS for this has been wonderfully accommodating, and everybody's worked doubly hard to make sure that we are able to open it this year for people to enjoy and and I cannot wait to walk those paths with the general public. I look forward to meeting you there. One needs to see these things for oneself, I think. I, I agree. But a major reason for asking you to join us today is uh, a book uh, which is called My Real Garden and it says here over 100 real gardens from real people and I don't see it as a book at all. I see it as a compendium of life almost. 
I mean, it, it's an amazing project. Can you tell us a bit about it? How did it come about? How did you get all these people to uh, generate all of this? Peter, I am so pleased that you're always bringing me to tears that you've enjoyed it. So it's quite nerve-wracking showing what you've been up to um, in lockdown with somebody who is a true legend in our in our world, so of horticulture. And so it means a lot. And I know it will mean a lot to everybody that's actually in this book. How it came about was, you know, with COVID on March the 23rd of last year, I was so concerned and worried and scared about what was going to happen just like each and every one of us I'm not unusual in that I know I'm a very sociable person and being shut down at home with my garden was actually um, the garden that saved me I mean I've never been so grateful for having a garden in such a tippy mess <laughs> we'd had the builders in and the garden my own garden had been used as a, as a yard so you know, lots of borders had been ripped out or covered with huge pallets of bricks and things as we had an extension built. And the time was suddenly ripe for me to start actually making over my own space as I'd done for many years on TV. So, and I'd before lockdown, lots of my non-horticultural friends, I have to confess, there aren't that many of them. Most of my friends are in horticulture in one <laughs> show way or another. But they were saying, what should we get? It was almost like a panic about, you know, we can't get anything, we need compost, can we put um, mud, people would call it, into into containers, like I haven't got any seed. It was all the most pandemonium. So I thought, well, if, if I'm going to be concentrating on my own garden and being at home more regularly, then why don't I try and take some pandemonium out of it for other people? So I just decided that I'd never really engaged with Instagram that much, but I just decided it would keep me going keep me accountable and maybe help a few people along the way if I went live every lunchtime. So, and that continued. I set up this Instagram handle at My Real Garden and it's on Facebook as well. So, and just started talking about what I was doing in my own space. And it was, it's a bit like talking out into the ether. You have no idea what's going to be happening or, or who's going to be watching there is a comment section where people can commune with each other and ask you questions and all sorts of things. And I suddenly realised very quickly that it was my lifeline. It was my lifeline to the external world. It was making sure that if I said I was going to do something, that I actually did it. And you know what, Peter? What it did for me as well is it gave me my gardening mojo back, got into garden design 25 years ago as a young woman because I loved gardens and I loved plants and I loved getting my hands in the soil. And I decided to train as a garden designer because I had an artistic background, but I never intended to do a job where I was desk-based. Yeah. And yes. guess what? <laughs> I ended up, and the more successful you become as a designer, the more desk-based you become. And as the team grows, you know, you are overseeing and managing and sort of leading the ship as it were. So suddenly... I was brought back to the days when I had an allotment near Kew Gardens. You know, I was growing things from seed. I'd, I'd only done that in a really kind of half-hearted, haphazard way for many years, if I'm honest. So suddenly this blossoming started to happen with me. And suddenly the blossoming of people joining me on 100 consecutive days that I went live um, through the My Real Garden Instagram community. And what people, Peter... 
I mean, I have got so much respect for the keen home gardener. I think in horticulture, as a professional, you kind of don't really look at what what keen home gardeners are doing. I will not call them amateurs because many of them know just as much as I do in many ways. And then I have learned so much from these people too. So, and it's been interesting to look through their eyes with social media about what they're getting up to in their own garden. And suddenly, something that I started to get me accountable to achieve what I was doing, I was being inspired by people that I had never met. And the love and community that arose from it, I just thought, what can we do with this? How can we celebrate this in some way and give back to something that I think will make a difference to other people and that people would be absolutely thrilled to be working towards the goal? So I decided that we would write this book, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) I just opened the book at random, okay? And I hit Sunny Thoughts. And there's Charlotte Tomalin. When I was feeling down, just a little potter around the garden lifted my spirits. I mean, it just said it all, doesn't it? And alongside her, Anna Edwards, outdoor space calmed us, added variety and gave us something meaningful to do. Uh, I mean, there's a page of these. I love sitting in the paddling pool on warm evenings watching the night sky. I mean, can you imagine Linda Pierce sitting in the paddling pool? <laughs> I can actually, because I have never met Linda Pierce. I do feel like I know her quite well now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got a section, uh, uh, chapter four, grow your own. And, and, and that lovely picture of the child with the two bunches of carrots looking through. Eh? Doesn't that say everything yeah. about... Uh, what we do. It really, really does. And um, through, you know, as all going through a deeply difficult, personal, challenging time, the likes of which we'd never, ever gone through, we felt as the My Real Garden community that we were going through it together. And, um, and so what I decided to do is how can we gather this magic to inspire other people to, you know, grow and experience the joy and love that we experience every single day and even more so with this focus and this kind of cloak of our garden that is just as supported and cuddled us when we couldn't cuddle other people. So I spoke to Tamsin Westhorpe, who I I know you know very well, and she's a dear friend of mine. So I knew that she would understand completely what I was trying to do and that we together would get it done because, you know, we didn't have a publisher and we needed to not wait for a publisher. We needed to get it done now. So so I decided that we should perhaps crowdfund for doing this book. So we did. So we crowdfunded to get the book backed and everybody within the community donated. I raffled my time off during Zoom consultations, quizzes I ran for people. Everybody bought a ticket. We spoke to Orphans, who are a wonderful publisher, who Tamsin had worked with on her previous book, and they gave us all of the costings, so we knew what we were doing. We had a little bit of startup money from the brilliant Candide that just got us going to, in order to get the materials that we needed together to crowdfund, and that was marvellous. And off we went. You know, we were suddenly working around the clock. So we invited people 
to send in photographs of their own gardens. There was no way that we were going to be able to send a photographer around in COVID to, to sort of document people's spaces. And that worried me for a moment because I thought, blimey, what's the picture quality going to be like? And Tamsin used to run a very successful magazine, The English Garden, amongst lots of other publications she's worked for. But I tell you, Peter, some of the pictures, they might not be professional standard, but my goodness me, they don't half make you feel happy. It just didn't matter about the quality of some of the images. And what I love about them is it gives a real quality of what we all went through in covid so, you know, and I'm flicking through it now with you. We interspersed it with sunny thoughts and stories about, you know, hope, grow hope. So that it really is a gorgeous, beautiful read, I believe. Every time we picked it up, we were almost in tears of joy or happiness. It made us both feel good. And deep into the night, I think our husbands were both quite irritated with us. We'd be phoning each other up and going, have you seen this bit? Or there'd be a WhatsApp going through. And say, you must read this bit. It just felt just such a privilege to do it all, to create. And I think it's a good description, this compendium of gardening joy. I mean, can I take you to Hacks? tips and tricks with Rini Johnson. When I feel overwhelmed, I deadhead. I have some sympathy with that. We have a pansy trial and we deadhead 40,000 a week. (laughs) 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 I feel overwhelmed when I go in and look at it. (laughs) I was going to say, that's what's making you feel overwhelmed, the thought of it. But on the same page, you know, you've got Gwendolyn Doyle. Take as many cuttings as you can. Plants for free, easy. What? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And it's just a cornucopia of different advice just to kind of let people know how they can get on and actually, you know, garden for themselves. So even if you haven't got a garden, there's a section on container gardens, there's city gardens, country cottage gardens, no matter what style of gardening you're into, there's something there for you. We actually managed to get 230 people into the book, Peter. 230 authors, how about that? But there's another message, isn't there? You're raising money for Greenfingers, which builds gardens for uh, uh, children's hospices. Uh, I've been to one or two of those hospices where Greenfingers have built gardens and what wonderful work they do. I mean, Anne-Marie, you've you've been involved actually in the uh, design and landscaping of uh, a number of the Greenfingers gardens at children's hospices. And they're rather special places, aren't they? They really are. I've been a patron for Greenfingers for nearly 10 years now. So, And I'm a very active patron. And whenever they need me, I will drop everything and do what they need me to do. I mean, I'm on a gardens committee. So make sure that all the gardens that are designed by other designers get through quality control so that they're up to scratch and up to standard. We want them to last. We want them to support. We want them to provide wonderful moments for children and families uh, of children who have short lives, essentially. I have personal experience of this myself. Members of my family have had children who are very special and wonderful, who have not lived to adulthood and they've used hospices. It's been a very difficult thing for me to go to a hospice where they don't have outdoor space. It's such a valuable commodity 
for somebody to be able to get outside with their child to watch the sky, to smell the scents, to watch things grow and feel alive is just such a wonderful gift to be able to give to a child, a family, and even a staff member who is finding it quite difficult to perhaps deal with a bereavement of a child that they've been working with. So it's always been a very important thing for me. And it's a small charity. And I've always tried to shout from the rooftops about the wonderful work that a very small team manages to achieve um, within the Children's Hospice Network. Greenfingers now, they've built 61 gardens throughout the UK. And there's only one full-time member of staff. So what it means is that all the money that is fundraised and given to the charity, most of it goes back into those gardens. It really does. So, you know, you're not paying for huge overheads. The team there, they want to make sure that they are building gardens as well and as often as they can. So, I really thought with the book that what a wonderful opportunity for us to fundraise some cash yep. to give back. So it was very important to me that the book that we were doing together in a difficult situation gave back to people that were going through a difficult situation every single day and to celebrate the efforts that the Myriel Garden community had done together. We decided that we would um, contribute to the Greenfingers pot. So I can't tell you how much money we've actually raised yet, but it is not hundreds of pounds. It is in the thousands of pounds, several of them, but we want to raise more, Peter. We really do. Well, Anne-Marie, how does our listener add to that fund? Where do they go to get the book? You can buy it through Amazon. So just put in My Real Garden, Anne-Marie Powell, and it will come up for you. So that's it's a, the book costs £25. Amazon do take quite a large cut of that. But you can buy a signed copy through the My Real Garden website. And me or my husband will take it to the post box and post it to you personally. And that is the best way of raising the most amount of cash. Anne-Marie, we'll put a link to that website in uh, our show notes, okay? So people can find it there, but, but I'm sure they'll remember. I'm so grateful. It means so much to me. I can't tell you how hard Tamsin Westhorpe has worked on it as well. So it's been a joint effort to represent all that we feel about gardening, to do something wonderful for green fingers. I have written four books. This book is the one that I'm You need of. it on the bedside table, without question. Anne-Marie, thank you very much for the book, for doing what you do for Green Fingers and for joining us today. It's been a joy. Thank you, Peter. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
And the thought for the day? Well, how about uh, this one from Roland A. Brown? I don't know whether nice people tend to grow roses or growing roses make people nice. Well, I don't know either. But I do welcome uh, roses just beginning to open this week in uh, my garden and the very earliest of the climbers I see uh, opening at Hyde Hall. Just a reminder that we'll be having our Rose Festival competition and looking for the prettiest roses in Britain, as we have done for several years. And uh, you have come up with some uh, really wonderful pictures of, uh, well, pretty roses. Our Rose Festival week starting, of course, on the 19th of June and running through until the 27th. So whatever you do, take time to smell the roses and I hope you'll have time to join us again next week. Goodbye. Our thanks for this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited, Pershaw, Worcestershire. To my producer, Rich Jarman, and of course to you for listening. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com